and welcome to the Narrow Road Podcast, a place to share the journey of walking with God on the narrow road that leads to life. I hope that you find rest and encouragement here, but above all, the awareness that you're not alone on the way. Hello, hello everyone, and welcome back to the Narrow Road Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Bowyer, and it is my great pleasure to be back with you for another episode. It has been a wonderful weekend, absolutely beautiful here. It was so warm for a very early spring period, just starting to get into the spring. We'll have a couple of cold days this week and then it's going to be back warm again. So it really feels like we are coming out of winter, which is much, much needed. I am a sun worshiper. I love to be out in the sun. So yeah, having a nice day at the beach and a nice mosey today around um, a sculpture exhibition, which was very cool to see some really beautiful art and yeah, just be out in the sunshine, out and about instead of locked away in the house trying to stay warm. Good change. Much, much, much better changes. Anyway, today I wanted to read to us again. I have an article that's actually on the Desiring God website, desiringgod.org. They have a lot of like really, really wonderful, encouraging um, messages, articles, podcasts as well. There's a lot of just awesome resources available. And there was an article that was posted on it not long ago called Be Comforted in Your Smallness. And I just found it really encouraging. And maybe it's because I love C.S. Lewis so much. And the author quotes um, a particular passage out of a C.S. Lewis book that I actually haven't read. So it's motivated me to to get hold of this book and read it for myself. But yeah, it's just it's a really, really comforting article, especially if you're someone who carries a lot. You carry a lot of stress. You carry a lot of um, just concern for the world, concern for the f- your family, concern for your, yourself, just you're somebody that just you kind of carry the weight on your shoulders of, of life. And I hope that reading this over you today will encourage you and will get you thinking about the value and the rest and the, and the peace you can find in your smallness. This article is written by Joe Rigney, which um, Joe Rigney, if I'm not mistaken, he's the president of Bethlehem College, and he is a pastor of a church, a city's church. So yeah, I don't know a whole lot about him, but I still think that we can all get a lot of value from what he's written here today. So let's dive in, and I hope it leaves you refreshed and, and at peace. Also, can I just say how wonderful it was having Nick on the podcast yesterday? If you missed it, it is episode 21 of our podcast. I hope you go back and check it out. It was the debut of my husband joining the podcast for an episode and sharing a little bit about his very new journey with God and the the ups and downs and what it looks like and who he is seen himself become and what he's learned. It's really, really such an awesome, awesome testimony that he's shared and just a really unique insight into someone who came into the kingdom in a really powerful way and then just kind of like 
let it, let it, let it slide, you know, just kind of let it go and the cares of life and just so much that he had going on and then finding himself sort of coming back into the Lord and what he's felt and experienced since sort of circling back. And yeah, it's just, it's really encouraging, I think, for those of us who are prone to wander. And yeah, so anyway, I just want to mention that Nick made his debut on the podcast yesterday, episode 21, and I highly recommend it. I I took a lot from it, and I think you will too. Okay, so I'm going to get into this article, this word of encouragement called, Be Comforted in Your Smallness. And he begins by saying, Do you ever feel that you are carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders? that the responsibilities, duties, and burdens of life press upon you with their almost intolerable reality. The weight of the world might refer to your vocation, to the calling that you have in life. The pressure of a calling can feel crushing. There aren't enough hours in the day. There aren't enough resources available. The possibility of failure is real. It looms on the horizon. You feel pulled in too many directions, and at some point you're going to break. The weight of the world might refer to the burdens in your family. Parents feel the enormous gravity of raising children, of having the responsibility to shape and mold the souls of our kids. We want so much good for them. We long to give them everything they need, and again, we feel our limits. We can't change hearts. We can't protect them from everything. We are neither omniscient nor infallible. Sometimes the weight of the world is simply the sheer gravity of existence, of reality. We are mortal. We live in a world where death is certain until Jesus returns. More than that, we live in a world where eternity hangs in the balance. Heaven and hell are real, and everyone we know is journeying toward one or the other, toward eternal joy or eternal misery. In his inimitable way, C.S. Lewis expressed this kind of existential burden in his sermon, The Weight of Glory. It may be possible, and here's the quote, It may be possible for each to think too much of his own potential glory hereafter. It is hardly possible for him to think too often or too deeply about that of his neighbor. The load or weight or burden of my neighbor's glory should be laid on my back, a load so heavy that only humility can carry it, and the backs of the proud will be broken. Hmm. He goes on to write, A load so heavy that only humility can carry it? What does this mean? And how can we grow in the humility necessary to carry the vocational, familial, and existential burdens that we face? In my own life, especially in those moments where the burdens feel greatest, I find myself returning to a few sentences in Lewis's novel, Paralandra. It may be odd to find solace in a science fiction novel, but Lewis is a master of embedding truth and comfort in stories. The novel is the second in Lewis's Ransom trilogy in which the hero, Elwyn Ransom, journeys to the planet Paralandra in order to stave off disaster. The novel is Lewis's variation on the temptation narrative of Genesis 3. The queen of Paralandra is tempted by the Unman, a human from Earth who has been possessed by a demonic power. The Unman attempts to draw the queen into disobedience to Christ, who is called Maladil in the novels, appealing to her imagination to elicit a tragic act of rebellion to Maladil's law. The variation on the temptation narrative is the presence of Ransom. He is on Paralandra not merely as a witness, but as a participant. He is an intrusive third party, and he feels the burden of preserving the innocence and righteousness of the queen in the face of the Unman's lies and deception. 
For days, he attempts to argue with the Unman, countering his lies with truth, only to see the truth twisted to serve the lie again. His burden grows as he sees the queen's imagination clouded by the lies and her resolve weakening. Then one night, Ransom encounters Maladil himself and comes to realize that he is not there to argue the Unman into submission, but to engage him in physical combat, to fight him and kill the body that the devil has possessed and his only and is his only anchor to Paralandra. With the burden of Paralandra's future resting on his middle-aged shoulders, Ransom submits. He attacks the Unman, wounding him and then pursuing him across the oceans, until the two are pulled beneath the waves and cast ashore in a cavern beneath a mountain. In the end, Ransom kills the Unman, but only after enduring a tremendous crucible, the combat itself, in which his heel is wounded, the descent beneath the mountain, and then the long, arduous ascent out into the light. After his journey, Ransom finds himself in a great mountain hall, speaking with two Eldila, angelic powers who served Maladil. In the course of their conversation, Malachandra, the Eladil who rules Mars, informs Ransom that the world is born today. The queen has passed the test and the king of Paralandra has passed his own as well. As a result, today, for the first time, two creatures of the low worlds, two images of Maladil that breathe and breed like the beasts, step up that step at which your parents fell, and sit in the throne of what they were meant to be. Hearing this, Ransom falls to the ground. The weight that he has borne is too much, and he is overwhelmed by the burden. And the burden not just of the responsibility, but apparently of his own success. It is at this point that the angelic power speaks the words that have been such an encouragement to me when I feel the weight of the world. Be comforted, said Malachandra. It is no doing of yours. You are not great, though you could have prevented a thing so great that deep heaven sees it with amazement. Be comforted, small one, in your smallness. He lays no merit on you. Receive and be glad. Have no fear, lest your shoulders be bearing this world. Look, it is beneath your head and carries you. Here is the paradox of comfort that Lewis offers. On the one hand, Ransom really did have a responsibility. The burden of fighting the Unman rested squarely upon him. It lay within his power to embrace his calling or to shrink back. And yet, after completing his task, at the moment of triumph, the words are clear, It is no doing of yours. He lays no merit on you. The comfort offered here is the comfort of smallness. And Lewis offers it not only to Ransom, but to the reader. Ransom is not great, neither are we. Everything we have is gift, and therefore we ought to receive and be glad. Resting in our smallness, we are delivered from fear, lest our shoulders should bear the weight of the world. This is the humility that keeps our backs from being broken by the weight of glory. Lewis is not the only one to comfort us in our smallness. King David, too, offers this comfort in Psalm 131. David's heart is not lifted up, he says, his eyes are not raised too high, he says. His mind is not occupied by realities above his station. In humility, David refuses to carry the weight of the world. Instead, he comforts himself in his smallness. In Psalm 131, verse 2, it says, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. A weaned child does not attempt to bear the weight of the world. A weaned child is content in the arms of his mother. He seeks no merit. 
He labors under no delusions of grandeur. He simply embraces his smallness with gladness. And so when I feel the weight of leadership or teaching or pastoring or parenting or the sheer weight of existence pressing upon me like David, I seek to calm and quiet my soul. In the face of lofty thoughts that are too high for me, in the teeth of turbulent passions and emotions, under the weight of reality, I say to myself, Be comforted, small one, in your smallness. He lays no, pa- no merit upon you. The weight of the world is not yours. It was borne by another, by one whose bloody shoulders were able to bear it, up to Golgotha, into the tomb, down to Sheol, and then out, out again into the light of resurrection. Have no fear, small one. Bear the load that is yours with humility, like a weaned child, as one who hopes in the Lord forevermore. It's such an interesting article. I love that on the page 169, it's the page 169 that this quote is found, that he quotes, Be comforted, said Malachandra. It is no doing of yours. You are not great, though you could have prevented a thing so great that deep heaven sees it with amazement. I love that it's saying, you're not great, though you could have prevented a thing so great. Saying, like, what you did was so great, but you're not great. (laughs) Meaning, like, stay, you're still small. It's okay to be small. I think, like, I've said this a lot to different people in my life, that there is beauty in no matter how big you get in life, no matter how, how important, how famous, how influential, how simple and relatively insignificant you may seem in this life, that smallness that we have inside of God, when we actually look at ourselves, we look at the sum total of who we are in light of him, in light of his omniscience, his grandeur, his holiness, his might to create a universe like what we live in, to create a planet like what we live on, to create the the mysterious and magical human body that we live inside of. It's when when you see yourself in light of him, you see the truth. You see how small you are, no matter what your station is in life. And there is so much peace in that. There is so much humility in that. There is so much safety in that. I feel like the most dangerous person we can be is a person who doesn't see themselves in light of God, doesn't remember they have a creator, doesn't understand their own smallness. (laughs) That's when pride can take such hold. And there is beauty in that. There is safety in that. It isn't to say that God isn't in us and he doesn't make us incredible people with incredible power on the planet. He absolutely does. But there's that, it's, it's, it's both and, right? You have to see it from both perspectives of being so big in the kingdom, right? The earth is crying and groaning for the sons of God to be revealed. The whole earth waits for the sons of God to to go about their father's business on the planet, to be fully alive in him, to be these big people that the kingdom builds you into being. And yet, at the very same time, your 
bigness, no matter how big it is, no matter how God-given it is, is still so teeny tiny in light of his majesty. And we have to be able to live inside of those two truths. That no amount of intelligence, no amount of accomplishment, it, it outweighs who we are inside of God. And in fact, that intelligence is God-given. That money is God-given. That opportunity is God-given. The breath in your lungs is God-given. We don't exist if he doesn't say so. We don't continue to exist if he doesn't author it. And I feel like sometimes we can take so for granted our intelligence, our accomplishments, our life, our day-to-day, our very existence, that we forget to be grateful for the breath in our lungs, right? We forget to understand our smallness. And yet, In forgetting that, that is when we can be so wrapped up in worry and wrapped up in fear. And and that is when we start trying to make our own way ourselves. We start heaping on ourselves the weight of the world. We try to be the savior and the hero. We try to fix every problem. We try to have an answer for every query. And that's when we have to step back and say, absolutely, I can be a solution to, to a, a variety of situations. I want to be God's solution. However, he is God and I am not. <laughs> am I taking on a burden that isn't mine to bear? Am I taking on the weight of the world? Am I trying to be God? Am I trying to be God? Do I trust him? that he's big and he's capable and he's strong. Because we are both servants of God. We are here to be, you know, lucky participants in his goal and his mission and his story. And he absolutely wants us to walk side by side and be a part of that. But he never wants us to carry the weight of the world the way he would. He's God. He's big. He's so big. He's so big. He's so capable. And I feel like it is his great love and mercy that compels us to remember our smallness. That we can do what we can do. And then there's so much we can't. Why does Jesus encourage us to get rid of the yoke of this world and take on his yoke which he says my burden is easy and my my yoke is light come to me you are you who are heavy laden and i will give you rest why does he say that why does he say to trade up why does he say to do the great exchange why does he say why do you worry i clothe the flowers why you know how much more will i clothe you i feed the birds who don't toil or spin how much more will i look after you Why does he constantly try to bring us back into this place of rest and dependence if we're supposed to stir ourselves up to like fight another day and take on the battle? You know, it's just, I think he has more rest for us. I think he has more humility for us. I think sometimes in our fighting to protect ourselves or save ourselves or save everyone else, we can forget that that actually looks like pride. Aspects of that can actually be prideful. The need to save, 
the need to have it all figured out and all plotted against and all sorted and planned for, that in and of itself can be pride. There's something about being childlike in God. There's something about leaning back the way a child trusts in its mother and its father to catch them when they jump and fall or to pick them back up when they scrape their knee. This trust, that's, that's the safest place to live inside of an awareness that I'm just we. I'm just we. I'm just little. And you're so big, God. You're so mighty. And I can trust in you. I can relax to a degree. <laughs> Be comforted, said Malakandra. It is no doing of yours. You are not great, though you could have prevented a thing so great that deep heaven sees it with amazement. Be comforted, small one, in your smallness. He lays no merit on you. Receive and be glad. Have no fear lest your shoulders be bearing this world. Have no fear lest your shoulders be bearing this world. He doesn't want us to bear this world. And he doesn't want pride and our sense of self-sufficiency and our need to get ahead of the problem or you know, circumvent the problem or cut it off at the past. No, he just... He wants you to have no fear. He wants you to stay in a place of dependence and trust. That it's okay to be small. It's okay to rely on him. It's okay not to have it all figured out, not all of it planned for. It's okay, really. He's big. He's very capable. And he's very trustworthy. And it is our honor to see ourselves in light of his majesty as the small things that we are, both mighty and small, right? Well, that's what we've said so much, both lion and lamb. He is that, we are that. And we keep those two truths in tension and we live within them, that he both uses us to be mighty, powerful warriors on this planet and yet teeny tiny little children in the hand of our father both at the same time and in that space is safety knowing how to yield and how to run how to stop and how to go knowing how to lean back on his chest and run right beside him you know it's 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 staying in that space and that space and understanding when it's go and when it's pause when you're taking too much and when you're not taking enough all of that is found inside of quiet intimacy in the presence of God. So I bless you today to rest in your smallness. <sighs> I bless you today to take a look around at your life and say, am I overwhelmed? Am I carrying the weight of, my, of the world on my shoulders again? And I encourage you to pass it off onto his big, powerful shoulders, which are so much more capable and have been doing this so much longer than you have, and just roll it right off and see yourself as the child you are in light of the great, great God that he is. And find peace in that, find rest in that, and joy and freedom in that. Humility is a very safe place. Okay, so thank you 
for listening to another episode of the Narrow Road Podcast. It's my pleasure to be with you, and I will be back again for another episode tomorrow. So tune back in, and I look forward to speaking to you soon. Thanks, and bye-bye.